Welcome to the Old Dog New Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff West, and I'm going to spend some time talking about tech and looking at how the old dog ways really are all that old. I'm going to look at some integration ideas, discuss some successes and failures, and show you that it's really not about being perfect, but it's about being patient when it comes to integrating technology. I'm a high school educator, been teaching music band for most of my career, but I am a a big tech enthusiast, and I really enjoy uh, researching and finding answers and ways to integrate tech that don't take up so much time. Let's get going. Mmm, it's episode 10. No one thought I would make it here, including me. That's my 20th century episode 10 introduction. Welcome, it's Jeff West. This is episode 10. I am having uh, a blast doing these uh, podcasts. Uh, I talk to my friends and play the podcast for them, and and they are putting uh, my application in at National Public Radio. So, so I can use my voice to deliver content in National Public Radio. You're listening to the Old Dog New Tech Podcast with your host, Jeff West. I speak in long, drawn-out tones. Wake up. Hopefully I didn't put you to sleep. This is episode 10. Hooray! Video assessment or peer review. Now, before you turn off this podcast and go to listen to something else, let me tell you, I'm going to start with just using video recording applications just to record, say, yourself, a screen capturing. Or in my case, um, I will put my guitar on and use the camera that's in uh, the device, or I have an external camera, very affordable. I think, I don't think I paid more than $50 for it. And the reason I paid that much was because I wanted, at that time that I bought it, the camera phones were not near as good as they are now. So I have started using my camera uh, on the phone uh, much more. And I use this camera that I bought for primarily just for uh, guitar instruction. Um, a very good camera. I'm trying to remember. I think it's by Netgear. But you can find something much cheaper than $50. Believe me, that's just as good if you're not going to use your phone or if your Chromebook or your device camera isn't uh, good enough or um, flexible enough that you only get it one way or the other. So let's get on to this. Video. So many say students are so responsive or most responsive to video that we're in a video age teaching students we need to be using video, video, video. I think there's a lot of truth to this. Um, My students are making a lot of videos all the time, um, mostly for Instagram or or, um, Snapchat and being goofy with it. But so then it's up to me, us teachers, to teach them how to maybe use it in a professional manner. Uh, nothing wrong with the fun social aspect, but let's get them on to the professional manner. 
So that's what this episode is about. The 10th episode. Dum dum. Thank you so much for listening. If you've listened to all 10, send me an email and uh, maybe I'll at least send you a, a gift card for a cup of coffee or something because I really appreciate your support. If this is your first time with me, please give me a rating. Give me some feedback. Uh, iTunes rating would be awesome. Um, Because like I said, I am in this for the long haul and I'm having a blast. So let me know if this is helping you out or if you have something that you're doing. I'd love to check it out. All right. On with the video in episode 10, 10, 10, 10. So as I'm recording episode 10, I feel the excitement of the fact that I've done 10 episodes growing. So pardon me if I get a little silly and a little goofy. And the teacher part of me starts to come out. I like to try to stay as professional as I can to get through this because I know goofiness can often be a distracting and, you know, you click and move on if someone's too goofy and they don't seem serious enough about this. But believe me, I am. But I'm just so very happy to have made it to 10 episodes. It took me two years to start this podcast. And so being on the 10th episode is extremely uh exciting. And that is a way that's way underselling. So in my last episode, I talked about peer reviewing and using Google forms and Padlet. So I, you know, go back and listen to that for ideas of what peer review should be and it could contain in order to create a meaningful learning experience. If you're, you know, worried about what that is, you know, where do you start? Why are you doing it? Uh, That episode has some great suggestions, um, things that you should follow research-based suggestions, by the way, that you should follow. This episode is about the different ways that might transfer to your classroom using video. There are online applications and websites that present opportunities for creating a video or using previously created video in a multitude of ways. So I'll say that again. You can either create your own video, screencasting or with the camera, Or you could use one that's already created. And that's what I'm going to talk about here today. Starting with creating videos. I like to use Screencastify. I have purchased the $20 a year extra features. It might be more than that. It might be $25. And I also had uh, purchased a $20 of awesome screenshot because I use that primarily for capturing screenshots. And then I can edit or add my own Um, content to it, and then it uh, downloads as a picture, which I can then put on any website, or in uh, in this case, I use Schoology in my district. We're using Schoology, and I can put that in there. I also could put it in uh, a Gmail when I send a home, uh, a newsletter to parents, Um, although I've started using Google Drawing for that, and wait a minute, I'm getting off the subject. Let's get back to it. Video, Screencastify. Screencastify has a editing uh, tool as well, um, but I'm going to pull back on that because one of the things I'm going to say today is don't be concerned with a professional video when you're starting to use that. So we'll get back to that. Screencast-O-Matic is another uh, application that will allow you to record either your screen or your student could record their screen and talk while they are doing something to demonstrate understanding of content. And then lastly, I mentioned Awesome Screenshot. Um, 
which does have a screen recording capability. And I'd have to double check. I don't remember having a webcam recording where it will record your face or whatever is in front of the camera. Mostly because I don't use that. I use Screencastify. But maybe some people use Zoom on Windows machines, um, iMovie on um, Apple. But whatever you're using, most devices give you the, the ability to have students demonstrate their understanding using video. And as they create the video, at first, of course, they may be fumbling about trying to click the right things and get this camera centered and and redo and redo and redo. But that's the great thing is they can. They can click it, delete it, and start again. And then the, it kind of puts a light pressure, not a big pressure, like they're in front of 100 people and they have to show like what we see in front of a class of 30 every day or more. And we have to be on top of it. No messing up or you figure out how to deal with the mess ups, right? I think that's the thing that 30 years of teaching, well, 27, has taught me is how to be comfortable messing up. Now to make that, make that joke about your screw up and somehow even further learning. I, I find my students remember when I'm using a video and I create, I'm creating it and I screw it up and it looks goofy. They remember what I was teaching at the time. It, it, it attaches that, that relationship piece versus a, a video that's perfect and, um, you know, well-produced and so forth. It, it, it's not always as effective. I don't know. You'll have to check that out. I'm, I don't have any data to support that one's better than the other, and I'm not sure that it really matters. Um, I think what it matters is that we use some video because these students are coming to us learning by video and understanding how to do it themselves, and I think we can utilize that. So my biggest piece of advice that I said before, and I'll say it again, is don't worry about perfection or professional quality, vid quality videos. Focus on the content quality. Have a rubric or a list of expectations for the video and experiment with creativity on the part of, ex of the student. Encourage them. Don't just stand in front of the camera and drone on about this or that or the other thing. Don't just go down it like a checklist. Can you figure out some way to make it unique? A little tune, a little song, a little dance? Yeah, from the old Mary... Mary Tyler Moore was that little song, little dance, little seltzer in your pants. That's a very funny episode. If you uh, remember that show, then thank you very much for listening to the old dog. And you join in with me in the old dog area, the old dog group. Maybe I should start a group. Well, you can leave out the last creativity part, but sometimes students will be quicker to do this. I've had a few students that will, in my guitar class, when they're submitting a video, they'll play through the exercise, and at the end, they'll put in a little chord and da 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 like that. And I like that creativity being fostered, man. Oh, man, does that fire me up. So most of the applications have editing capabilities. Like I said, your Screencastify has a nice uh, editing tool. Uh, where you can clip and, and separate and, and, you know, make it so that there's not that one-minute buffering time while you're waiting for something to open up. Um, as far as sharing these videos, you might want to create a Google site and have the kids upload to it. You might want to have them 
you know, share, a, uh, you could share a um, Google Slides presentation and give each of them a slide. And then you could share the whole presentation with the class. I like that one. I've seen that done. I did it in class once. And um, you can also always delete if the student's not there or if someone didn't do the work. And, and also you can share it and enable commenting. So you get that peer reviewing aspect uh, happening. Um, you could hand out a piece of paper and let them or make them write uh, a review of the content that they did. It's really up to you. Um, don't let the tech limit your creativity because um, I'll bet you have some great, great ideas and great thoughts. I read about them all the time uh, from different teachers on Twitter and Google Plus and uh, not a big Facebook user. But um, and different blog posts. And so I'll bet you have something you can add to this and just make it outstanding. And that's a really cool thing about tech is that it's not just about the tool and it shouldn't be about the tool. Pardon me. Shame on me for even saying that. But the fact that it is about the student needs and the enhancing of the learning utilizing some tools that these kids are going to be using when they go through life and get to my age, which I'm not saying. Screencastify, lastly, will also connect to YouTube, and you can upload the video right from Screencastify. And when it's uploaded, it says sharing link, and you click that, and it copies that link, and you can put it in your Google site and the video is there, you don't, it, it's eliminating clicks. Don't worry. I know what a big concern is. You're saying it right now. You're going, yeah, but I don't want everybody on the web seeing my math problem or my English writing or my acting abilities. You can set the permission so that only the people that you share the link with can see it. Once the video is uploaded to YouTube, you get that sharing link, and it might take you a few times to get used to transferring that link and doing that, but once you get going, it's a great way to demonstrate an understanding in a small part of the lesson or create a larger culminating performance project. There are many ways to create portfolios of videos like these, and my suggestion would be maybe to start with Google Sites since it connects to YouTube pretty seamlessly. But again, I'm... It to, I'm into a really big, bigger, much bigger idea than what I first started saying. Record the video, start with like a simple little project and even say to the kids, hey, um, I, wanted, I, I want you to demonstrate, instead of going to the whiteboard, I want you to make a video and demonstrate that you understand this. Instead of writing on the paper, make a video uh, on, on the uh, Screencastify or have someone hold the camera while you're writing on the paper and explaining how you do this or typing it out, something, and we'll upload it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we're still tried to, you're still utilizing the focus on your content and you'll find out the pluses and minuses and probably your kids are going to help you solve any problems tech-wise you're going to come across. All right, this has been a really long segment, and I appreciate you listening to me uh, talk about this and because I, I think this is the one of the more 
coolest things. Now, I used some really nice English for you there. It's one of the coolest things to come across for uh and I think it's going to stay this way. There's going to be just little tweaks of it. I think we are at where it's at, where it's going to be until there's, as it was in Spaceballs, uh, the automatic uh, video. The video is in the store before the movie is complete so that we can be at now, now. And what happened to then? Well, we passed it just now. Online applications... For creating video or using creating videos for assessment of peer review are, drumroll please, Edpuzzle, plea pause it, plea pause it, play pause it, play pause it. I haven't used that one. I can't even pronounce it correctly, probably. I've used Edpuzzle quite a bit. Other tools such as Flipgrid or Padlet present the opportunity for making a short video and it's a lot quicker and uh, privately shared just for the class. And you have a rating system where Edpuzzle and PlayPosit allow you to put content in there and assess and collect uh, data based upon the answers or just to put in some audio instructions, you know, stop the video and they click it and you say, pay particular attention to this whatever you might, but talking more Flipgrid is cool because of the stickers and the drawing function that enable students to add a sticker, a hat onto the head, or draw a circle around something particular, maybe put a little mustache on themselves or whatever it is that they might have recorded and talked about, and then people can respond in video to their video themselves, or they could type a comment or give a rating. With Padlet, you have the same options. I think mostly it'll comments and grading are just clicks and entering text. Uh, you would have to create a, a new little uh, pad within the larger Padlet, the large Padlet. Uh, if you want to do a video response, then you could always do that and say, this is in response to Mary's response or something. But I think Flipgrid, if you're really looking for the video sharing and response and uh, communication conversation tool, uh, that's probably your best bet. And definitely promotes uh, that environment of open communication and collaboration. And students really rise to the occasion when it comes to doing this type of stuff. They really settle down and, and, and create that professional level response. I've noticed that even just in a discussion post, typing it in there, you know, you're still getting regular daily uh, jargon. And in the video, they could use that. But usually the video, the, the tool itself, the media itself uh, demands upon them to put a little more content into it than, than when they're just typing. So uh, they have to learn a little bit more about the written word communication. Then in video, they, they see the final products automatically where they may not always be reading the best final products. You know, they only read a novel because it's an, assigned to them. Edpuzzle, though, the one that I use, is a video creating 
assessment creating, uh, interactive video creative tool. I'm sure they probably whittled it down a little bit more, but the things that I've used it for, I've taken a YouTube video that is already present on YouTube and I insert a true and false question or a multiple choice question, or I insert audio of pay particular attention to the way this person performs the concerto or look at the horn angles in the marching band or what, you know, or I might even just ask a question if I'm showing the video to the entire class, I'll just ask a question. Why do you think the performer made a decision um, to use the dynamics in this fashion or to take that section the way they did? Or what's the composer trying to communicate? You know, to pose maybe a deeper question that I want to start a, a discussion with for a moment in the middle of the video and then uh, then continue on. The video pauses so the students may answer the question or click the button for your audio content, your audio instruction, your philosophizing. You could conceivably upload one of those videos that you used in Screencastify and you could use that share link and put it in there because um, Edpuzzle has a great search engine and find your YouTube video. And by clicking and following some of the really easy to use interface, create content. And it, if you hover your mouse over the different things that you could put into the video, uh, it will tell you what it is. And don't worry, if you make a mistake, it gives you the trash button icon or an X to cut that out so you don't have to keep it in there. Even if you do make a mistake and you leave it in there, you just click and go right on with the video if you're showing it to the class, as I suggest. As a very first time you use this tool, don't try to create a content and assign it to everyone because that's capability, and you'll see that when you get to Edpuzzle. It hooks to Google Classroom quite nicely. In the case of Schoology, you would have to put a link to it, and you can create a class in there for your students to come in and answer the questions. It will gather the data, and you can take a look at if you're at the data, the results, if you are doing a little deeper, um, a little deeper assessment, I guess, of where they're at. That's possible. I think probably the strongest use for me, the best use, I guess strongest, most effective use has been to put it in as a, as a opening um, activity to introduce a subject, to show them a video and say, have you ever seen a group do this anyplace? and ask them to respond. If um, memory serves, there might be a short answer feature in Edpuzzle, but if there's not, you could always uh, ask them to, you know, you could put, you could pose that separately. Take a moment and write down a place you've seen this or where you might hear this or um, some other question to get them to consider, to reflect and think and evaluate and synthesize getting into those higher order thinking skills.
Edpuzzle has another key part for me that it just hit me just now. I had written some notes down for this podcast, but just now they have outstanding people working there that if you send them a note about something you'd like to see or work with, they will get back to you. They're, the, they're on top of it. Since I started using Edpuzzle, they have added uh, a grade book option in there. Um, they have added a lot other, uh, a lot other, oh my goodness, episode 10, my total annihilation of the English language. They have added many other uh, collections of videos. I think Discovery videos are in there. I know Khan Academy is there. I know there's a lot of other videos that teachers have created that you might uh, find and watch and go, oh, I'll just use this. You can use that. It's it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome um, that you have that capability to either make your own or use something that's already there. Maybe that would work for you. Maybe you can have your students go in there and find one that works. Um, I did that with some jazz students and asked them to go in and search and find um, either a piece of content that had been created or search and find a video and put in some questions. And they had some fun with the questions because after a while they would say, hey, why doesn't, and they would mention their friend, why don't you play like this? Or, you know, some just giving each other a rough time back and forth. It was all in fun and they enjoyed it. And I know they remembered that because later on we talk about those artists and the video that they had created much better than any lecture I could have ever given. You have the capability to embed your content then. Uh, I embedded in a Schoology page and the students are given, uh, it's called guest mode. So any of the data, if you did questions, any of the data that, that uh, comes as a result of that, it won't be collected, but they still answer the questions, which is useful to get them to start thinking in uh, a particular direction. Uh, if you're preparing, which is what I do, I give them that preparing um, experience. And then, uh, you know, when I truly want to assess then I do. I, I create an assessment of that. But uh, in this case, it's it's an assessment as learning. They're continuing. Uh, they're continuing their learning or starting their learning and getting the ball rolling. So it's easy to get caught up in the amount of content. So be sure to use the search engine, and maybe even use the content created by another teacher or student. I definitely highly suggest that. There are many positives with this tool, and the only barrier I see is time. So start small, create a video, show it to your class, let them answer the questions, take some time and decide how it would benefit your students. Uh, maybe a deeper assessment as you get used to it. You know, it's, it's, it's great that you have different possibilities of increments of use. It's not all or nothing. So consider your students' needs and integrate video to enhance the learning. So the treat, treat of the week, throwing you a bone. I'm trying to decide which one I want. Treat of the week, throw you a bone. Not sure, but I'm feeling treat. Treat of the week. I have a dog. That's his picture. Lou. And Lou likes treats. He'll like he likes a bone. Don't get me wrong. He'll chew a bone once, but but you say the word treat, and that 
those eyes are up and he's sitting and you know he's ready to go. Tweet of the week on tech. For me, the integration, uh, we're talking about video. So we're going to talk about integrating video. And I think a great way to kind of dip your toe in the pool is to take a look at YouTube and look at your YouTube channel. Sometimes you don't even know that you have one. Well, you don't really have one until you click and go through a few setup uh, procedures with YouTube. But uh, once you get that done, a lot of the videos then that you are uh, recording or a playlist that you create, it goes to that channel and you can do a, an art piece of artwork there and so forth and, and insert that in so that as you become more adept at using uh, your YouTube channel and you share it, then that's what your viewers will see. Your icon is there. The the use of the YouTube channel for me helped me out because I went to other educators' YouTube channels to see what they were doing. And I saw how they were housing their work. They were housing things that their students had submitted. Uh, and there are ways to organize that, as I said, in playlists. Um, there are also editing tools that YouTube offers to create. Now, this is a little bit more in the business to the business end of it, but um, I think it might be very applicable to many different classrooms and content areas. Uh, it is a little for me if I would have my students say create a business for some sort of music, whether it's a band or DJ or um, say advertising or something along those lines, but. Uh, but I can see it transferring very nicely to many other classes. So I would take a look at what other teachers, educators are doing with their YouTube channels and sub subscribe to a few because many of them will vlog or video uh, log of uh, whatever they're doing. And um, Schoology, I know, has one. I'm sure Google has many um, since they have YouTube. Um, it's it's a great way, I think, to kind of get used to the whole video world and how it might be integrated into your classroom and how it is revolutionizing um, uh, professional development and delivery of content. So it's a good way to get started before you start making your own. Uh, and also you can always search on how to use Screencastify or how to use Flipgrid or Padlet. And uh, I bet you'll get all types of examples of what might work so youtube channel episode 10 ding 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 treat of the week so sadly enough but happily enough we are at the end of episode 10 and i'm glad that you are listening i hope you've listened to all 10 episodes and you have just a so many things to tell me and you've given me a rating on any place that you could give me a rating. I really want to know how am I doing? Would you like a little more? I, a little less, a little more of that, a little less of this. Uh, I am planning on uh, interviews or getting some other uh, colleagues in here, but let me tell you right now, I am in the first month of the fall band season, which means marching band. And um, 
while my children are both either in college or in the army, so I don't have those you know responsibilities or soccer games or music lessons to take them to anymore. Um, I'm also just really, really busy, as I'm sure everyone is. But the fall season is a different level of busy. I'm busy the rest of the year, but fall season, and I'm sure every music person, whether you're a music educator or have, we're in marching band, you're shaking your head saying, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it's a crazy time. So uh, everyone else that I would ask is also kind of getting their classes set up, getting their students taken care of and uh, getting things on the roll. So those interviews, discussions, they're coming. I promise. I promise in the next 10, I will get at least one. But give me some feedback. Give me a rating. And thanks for listening. Just remember, we were talking about using video. And so much emerging tech incorporates video. Students enter the classroom and they have so much knowledge and the tools that we don't have. We don't have this knowledge. And and I think, as I said in earlier in my podcast, we, nobody likes to feel that way. You don't like to be the person who's supposed to be the teacher and the primary resource, but you don't know things. So that's one reason we stay away from tech. But don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of telling the kids that. Kids like that. Kids want to help solve a problem. And so often we want them to be problem solvers, but we don't give them the chance. And the problems that we often give them to solve don't seem to have much importance or immediate application. So they come in and you don't know how to use YouTube or you don't know how to use Screencastify and record or edit or what is, how do you use this tool? They figure that out. That is useful to them. And so don't be afraid. Tell your students you think it would be cool that you're a novice at using it. And you will give them the opportunity to be the teacher. And you will also model how you handle being ignorant or not knowing what's going on. It's okay. You're going to have millions of times you're going to be doing this. Students are going to be doing this, and they need to become comfortable with making a mistake and adjusting. Be patient. Not perfect. And this brings the end to Episode 10. Episode 11 next week. Have a good week. This has been the Old Dog New Tech Podcast with your host, Jeff West. I hope you enjoyed your time. And remember, with EdTech integration, it's about being patient and not perfect.